Good evening and welcome to Paranormal Roundtable. I'm your host, Josh Turner. And uh, we do have a show lined up for you tonight, as always. Every Friday we do a show. Uh, PRTpodcast.com, that's the uh, web address. And Josh Turner at PRTpodcast.com, that is the email address. Josh Turner at PRTpodcast.com. Send me your stories and uh, and or come on the show. I'll either tell them um, or you can come on the show and tell them yourself. Here's the deal. We got a lot of stuff going on. As always, we always have something going on. Um, we have a giveaway that we do every week on Fridays, and that that is an autographed book. And it happens every Friday. We drop the show we uh, on the Paranormal Roundtable group page. Now, the Paranormal Roundtable group page is found on Facebook. We have a Paranormal Roundtable uh, prayer group. Then we have a Paranormal Lounge, which is my wife. Then we have Paranormal Encounters, which is uh, Tony's, my godson. And then we have uh, two or three other groups, uh, Whisper to a Scream, that I'm the admin of several other groups. But uh, anyways, I'm in about 200 different groups, and um, I'm pretty active on Facebook and then Instagram. And so if you want to want to follow me and, and do whatever, become a friend, send me a friend request, let me know that you are a fan of the show before I approve your friend request. And I clean my friend my friends list out pretty regularly. Uh, so I keep it, I keep it tight. I try to keep it tight. I don't, I'm not one of those people that collects friends and has 5,000 of them, whatever. I don't just approve people either. You have to be somebody that I know in my day-to-day life or someone like my guest, my current guest, who's a very good friend of mine. I've known him for a few years and he's a, a very, very uh, smart individual that I've known. And he's been doing this, uh, <clears throat> for a long time and he's no stranger to the strange 40 in topics we're going to be talking about. And uh, we have had lots of conversations uh, on and, and off the air. <laughs> Jody Cook. Uh, Jody, you want to say hello? Hi. How you doing? Yeah. And Jody <laughs> uh, Jody and me are like old friends, right? We talk and we, um, we've we talked quite a bit. And and so, Jody, you, you've been on the show uh, during, during uh, we had the whole thing with the LBL. And we're not going to get into that on today's right. show because we got a lot of other stuff to talk about. But you came on the show a few times on the live stream on Tuesdays when all that was going on. And so we, uh, like I said, we're not going to get into all that, but you and me have talked multiple times off air about all kinds of things. We're just, you know, it oh, goes, yeah. goes yeah. all over the place. And so Jody, mm-hmm. I want to give people the the beginning because you're, you're not, you, you know, you're a dog, you're known as a dog man guy because you're, you're are, you are the head of an organization called the North American dog man project. And you have thousands of members, and of course Nick Valente, he's a really good friend of mine, and he's he's your he's your number two guy, and uh, and so we all talk pretty regularly, and I have been a, a a friend and ally to this organization for a long time. I think they do good work, and, and they're really into their investigations. And Jody has uh, worked on documentaries, and he's done a lot of research into a lot of areas and a lot of fields um, other than Dogman. And uh, real quickly. Uh, where did you get your start in, into the weird, the out-of-the-norm stuff, Jody? Tell the audience. Well, you know, I I was always, you know, as a kid, I was always fascinated in, you know, UFOs and Bigfoot and things like that. I think my really big thing getting into is when I went and saw The Legend of Boggy Creek. Oh, yeah. When it came out, I mean, I, I was a kid when it just came out to the to the theater and that just totally scared the crap out of me. And um, <laughs> you did a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, you know, I was always into the sci fi movies and stuff. And we had some woods over by where I lived. And 
I, you know, remember grabbing my BB gun as a kid and just going there looking for Bigfoot, you know. So it was just something I was always interested in. And, um, you know, uh, I, 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 I was a deputy sheriff for a while. I, I you know, kind of delve into some of the stuff when I was doing that and uh, when I was in the Army and stuff. But it was uh, it, it's probably about the 1980s is when I really started to dive, you know, into things. Um, I, I There was a group here in Cincinnati that did uh, UFO research. And I joined that group and I was doing a lot of the UFO stuff. Um, you know, MUFON was still around. It was still one of the biggest organizations. But at the time, you just had like a whole bunch of little little groups that really didn't want anything to do with MUFON because they didn't want to deal with the politics or the fees and things like that. And we had a live TV show that we did on public asset TV. Now, this was before cable TV and everything came out. And it was a live show that we did every first Wednesday of the month, and it ran for eight years. Um, still got copies of all the shows, and we would, uh, you know, have a live guest. You could call in, you know, talk to the, you know, the the guest. You can, you know, talk to the host. You know, ask a question, things like that. It was really, really fun. And like I said, it ran for eight years, and in the process. Um, you know, the later years going in, not so much the first part of it, but in the later part, we were starting to get a lot of cryptid sightings, um, like the Loveland Frogman. People were, con you know, contacting us on the show about that Bigfoot, uh, Dogman, a um, couple other, crypt you know, smaller other cryptids, <coughs> you know, like the melon heads and things. So we were getting a lot of that in. Uh, the the head of the group was, you know, you know, this is kind of interesting. You know, this is a subject that we can talk to that might have some relation to, you know, UFOs. Because some of the Bigfoot sightings that people are getting were, you know, UFO related. And so they said, who wants to sit there and take, take on this task? So myself and George Clapperson, you know, went ahead and took that and kind of got into the Bigfoot stuff really heavy. We did uh, mostly Ohio. Uh, and then we kind of spread out and, uh, you know, just went on from there. You know, it, it, that that's how it started. And Ohio is your backyard. That's that's where you're from. Yeah. Right? That's your, that's your yeah. neck of the woods. Right. <clears throat> yeah. And the and now tell tell me. Because honestly, I don't think me and you have ever actually broached the subject. We've talked about everything under the sun, but right. we haven't talked about how did you get started with the NADP? You told me your UFO days before, but not the. Well, the, the, the thing of it is, you know, the, the Bigfoot field was really getting a lot of politics. It was turning into a big click and a members only type thing. You know, at the time, it was the same people who, who who spoke at the Ohio Bigfoot Conference, spoke at the Hocking Hill Conference, who spoke at the Hocking Hill Conference, you know, spoke at this conference. And it was and basically what the Bigfoot community was trying to do is set a certain group of people up or the ones that you need to listen to. They're the experts. You're not. And, and that's how it kind of came about and it's just like you know this is this is crap you know um 
you know, I, I never considered myself a expert at anything. I never, you know, felt that I was special, you know, um, because I was a researcher. But here in Ohio, you know, there was another researcher by the name of Don Keating. Now, Don Keating was like the Bigfoot guy. Okay. And Don didn't like the competition with me because I was getting notor you know, a lot of notoriety. Um, you know, I was, I was being on TV shows. Um, I was doing, I was getting newspaper articles. I had, um, this, uh, magazine did a really good article on me. I had newspapers do articles on me and it just got to the point, you know, he's holding a Bigfoot conference and I was never, he would never have me speak. He would have other Ohio researchers, but he would never have me because he had he had a problem with me because it was I was competition, and I did everything in my power to, you know, make friends with this guy. You know, now we're friends now because we sit there and laugh about all this stuff that was going on. But, you know, and but that's how the field was, you know, and I just got tired of it and. You know, I was going through some old reports from the 80s. I was just bored one day, went down, you know, to the basement, opened my file cabinets in my area down there, and I was just going, and I was looking at some reports, and there's like, some of the reports had Bigfoot sightings that had high-pointed ears or had a snout or had legs like dogs. And I never really noticed that back in the 80s and 90s. You know, I was just thinking, well, you know, we knew there was a, a a Bigfoot breed that had a snout. And when you think of snout at the time, it was more protrude like a gorilla's mouth, you know, is what they kind of considered like a, uh, a snout. And as I was going through these reports, I kept digging and going through all of them. And it's like, these are dogman sightings. That's what people were seeing, 100%. And I, I start reading up on when I did, I did do one, Dogman uh, investigation when I was doing Bigfoot stuff, and that was the uh, Defiance, Ohio case. And the Defiance, Ohio case is in 1972. Now, this made not even national news, but worldwide news that for a week, a little over a week, this werewolf harassed the people in this town of Defiance, Ohio. And it got to the point, because I even talked to the um, uh, chief of police wife and because the chief was dead and, and one of the other de uh, police officers that was living at the time they were really scared of the situation of what was going on with this because it attacked three men on a railroad um you know station uh they were out there working on the tracks and this thing attacked them and it, it was killing livestock it was a you know harassing you know people banging on their doors and it got to the point where the police were basically okay we're going to put clothes on this guy and say it was like a wolf man so maybe it's somebody running around in a costume just to kind of calm down people but that wasn't the, the truth you know the truth of the matter this thing was a actual werewolf what they were seeing and it, it was it was kind of interesting because if you i i i wrote stephen king and i asked him <laughs> <laughs> uh, I say when you did, you know, Circle of the Werewolf, which and is, which is I and, and Silver Bullet, which is Silver identical, Bullet, yeah. which is identical to what happened in Defiance, Ohio. And I asked him, I you know, I said, did you 
and did you base this on defiance? And he, you know, he wouldn't respond back. So I, I really believe that, you know, he based his, that, that book and that whole movie on what was going on in defiance, because, you know, in the beginning scene, a guy gets killed at the railroad tracks and that was ha- that's what happened the first night of the attack you know, of, of, of this werewolf was it attacked three guys on the, working on the railroads, you know? So it's, 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 it's kind of interesting. So, you know, I, I was looking really much into that case and then, you know, Norton, Ohio with uh, the silver Creek. And then there was another really big case in uh, London, Ohio. And, but what makes London, Ohio much different is this thing was more like your traditional, Lon Chaney werewolf. You know, it wasn't so much of a dog man. It, they always described it as like the Lon Chaney werewolf. It didn't have a snout. It just looked like a man, you know. So that was kind of an interesting case. So, you know, I decided, man, I'm going to go full force into this. I, you know, started the organization in 2006. You know, I never really had a website. I didn't even have a Facebook page. I posted something, I think. Of, of a logo that I did and you know me and David Jones and um, Adam Davis just was doing the investigations you know collecting stuff and then about 2016 we said you know let's do a website let's do a Facebook page and just see what happens and it just blew up from there and, and one thing people may not know you're, you're known you're well known as the head of the NADP and you're also well known as a researcher but you're an author yeah, uh, and you've written a lot of books. You've written Mothman Casebook, um, The Legend of the Grassman, which is a Ohio Grassman. That's like a type of right. type of Bigfoot. And then you've written right. um, w- one of the ones that I was interested in, Encounters with the Black Dog, because I've had my own black dog encounter, but I've also had a dogman encounter. But that's two different things. Two different things. But I can tell you, you, you wrote what Beginner's Guide to uh, Bigfoot Research. Yeah. Yeah, and and that, and then you had uh, there was another one. I'm trying to remember the name of it. And don't tell me. Um, I think it was one of your earlier books. Was it Traces of the Grassman? Traces, Traces of the Grassman yeah. was um, one of my earlier books. I did. I mean, I did. I I did like two books on zombies apocalypse. One yes. was uh, uh, one. Yeah. One it says what everything. Okay, don't, don't tell me. And I'm not even. Mm-hmm. Uh, what you what you need to know, or you'll die, or so. Is that yeah. What, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. yes. Okay, yes. I had that yeah. one a long time ago because I got it during my uh, when I did the zombie episode. I said, you know, I'm gonna look for a zombies books and just see if I could get some information. And it was at the time I tried to get it, it was like out of print or out of stock or something. And I, and I saw it on there. And I said, Jody wrote that. <laughs> it's like was, yeah, I didn't it, know it, that. It, it was kind of a funny book. Yeah. You know, it, it was meant to be funny. You know, um, it was it was like one of these things that, you know, uh, people have to understand that, you know, T-shirts are not, you know, bite protection, <laughs> you know, <laughs> things, things like that. You know, if a zombie apocalypse breaks out, you got to make sure that once you're all packed in your car, your wife's going to give you that look. And that means, well, we got to go pick the mother-in-law up. <laughs> <laughs> here's, the, here's the problem, folks. I'm going to I'm going to say something. A lot of people, Jody and me have talked for hours, and we laugh, and we joke, and we laugh. The funny thing is, people don't always get your humor. Like, 
I had somebody yeah. tell me, you know, one time we, your name came up in conversation with with a, a person that was just a witness that that showed me, and she said, "Yeah, I was going to reach out to Jody Cook, but that guy's an idiot." And I'm like, "What? Why? What do you think that?" She goes, "He just, he just, I can't take him seriously. Like he writes books, you know, and it doesn't make any sense." And 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 when she said something about zombies, or like kind of in passing, I did not know at the time that you had written a book about zombies, <laughs> and I was like, "That's weird. I'd never heard Jody Cook." <laughs> book about zombies so when i went i looked on amazon and i'm like there it is and it's out of print or out of stock whatever and i was gonna get it's it out of print. Yeah. yeah and so i was just like and and so i was sitting there joking with uh my brother about it because some you know at that time when we were first starting out him and my old co-host we were all uh get you know getting a list of people we wanted to get on the show you were one of them and i said we got to we got to ask him about the zombie thing well we did the episode about zombies and uh, I was like, it's got to be a joke because I know you, I know your sense of humor. And I was like, he's probably, it was probably like, a, you know, and they took it like you were being serious. Like, oh, this is what you do if there's a zombie apocalypse. But I know your humor. You know, when a few years ago, when um, The Walking Dead came out and it was starting to get really big, um, the History Channel did a thing on how to survive a, a zombie apocalypse and they contacted me um, about my book because uh, one of the guys got it. He just thought it was like freaking hilarious because it was. It was just, you know, it, it was just like, um, you know, I, 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 you know, I, I had a thing in there like, you know, the best place to go is like one of these box stores like Walmart or, you know, um, Sam's or Costco because like everything you need's right there. And that's at the time they were still carrying guns. And, um, I mean, it was just some of the stuff was just, you know, hilarious. Uh, but it, it's, um, they, they, he contacted me. He said, you know, uh, we're, we're doing the show on how to survive a uh, zombie apocalypse. You know, can I, you know, I talked to you. Can you help me with some research on this? So I, I did, you know, a lot of the research for this show. And I gave him in contact with a couple guys um, that were like real hardcore um survivalists you know who believes there was a zombie apocalypse um because there were some of the guys i talked to when i did the book and you know they were actually on the show um and it was kind of interesting you know uh you know when they did that but it you know the, the the you know the zombie stuff um you know there was there was two zombie magazines that that was put out uh a few years ago uh oh god one of these gun companies, I can't remember at the top of the head which one it was. And uh, they reached out to me also and uh, about some of the stuff that was in the, their, their magazine. I sent them to, you know, different directions on, you know, who to talk to, uh, and get information and things like that. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was fun. You know, um, I, I, I did this one and I, and I was going to... Um, I, I ended up not doing it, but I thought it was going to be like really cool. And the name of the book was, you know, dead girls don't say no. <laughs> oh my God. And it was, and it was going to be all of these like really hot zombie chicks, you know, cause I went to this zombie party and they're like, oh, all these zombie chicks there. I was like taking pictures. I was like, man, this would be a perfect book. You know, just take all these, you know, pictures, of all these zombie chicks and just, you know, talk about, you know, um, uh, you know, hot zombie chicks. And, and like you said, I just don't think anybody would have got the title. Yeah. You know? They would have been, they would have been <laughs> yeah. tiki torches probably. Yeah. 
Yeah, but 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 the, I mean, if you, it, it, it's funny uh, because you know I, I was oh, I can't remember where I was at. Um, I, there was a hearse in front of me. Okay, it was just somebody owned the hearse, and the guy had a little sticker on there that said, "Dead girls don't say no." You know, and it was like, man, that would be a great, a great uh, title for a zombie book about hot chicks, you know, and stuff. But, you know, and like you said, it's, it's it, it was one of these humor things. And, you know, I decided no, because people just, you know, just the name alone, they're going to not understand the whole meaning of it. Well, a lot of people yeah. don't grasp humor either. Like, you'll, yeah. you'll joke and they just look at you with a blank stare and you're like, okay. And yeah, it's not like, they, you know. Yeah. They just don't grasp it. And one here's one of the things. Um, when I was doing some research, and I, you wrote do, you, you wrote a book called Dogman Encounters North of, of North America. Now, yeah, did, was that like the precursor to the NADP? I kind of thought that's what it was. It, it, it was, and um, I, I I wrote that, um, and I, I I ended up getting a the proof copy, and so I never put the book out um, to, to print. Okay. And not to me, you know, no one, no one has that book. And, and if they do got it, they shouldn't have got it because um, you know, when I was going through the book, I was just, you know, I found a couple mistakes um, that I did in there. It's just small minor stuff. And uh, I just never got around to go back and, you know, correct it and which I need to need to do but I did another one um called what was it werewolf uh, oh god I can't remember the name of it um and it was it was out a couple years it was like the, the last one I did and um there was some I I, I hadn't it well, someone contacted me, a, a, a very good acquaintance of yours and mine. And um, he said, Well, you know, there's a couple reports in your book that I've had on my show. And I, I said, Yeah, because they contacted my organization. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm thinking of you you're know? talking about it too. Yeah. And I said, You know, they contacted my organization and stuff. So I, I'm putting it in there just because it's on, you know, it was on your show doesn't mean you own it. And he goes, Oh yeah, I do own it. Cause it was so it just got to this point where it's just like, you know what, you know, I, I wasn't going to deal with it. So I said, you know, it's out of print, you know, cause I wasn't going to deal with the idiot over, over something, you know, stupid. I mean, you know exactly who I'm talking about. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, <clears throat> He's got a bunch and, of my and, material and he, too. Yeah, yeah. You know, and you know, he, it was just like, you know, it's, it was ridiculous. Um, I just got tired of it, you know, so I, I, I wasn't going to argue, you know, we're threatening lawsuits back and forth. I mean, over, a, over a book because, because someone who was on his show, you know, gave the story, they contact us and they give the story to us, you know, I, I, I mean, that's just, it was just childish stuff, you know? So I just got tired of it. So, uh, but I'm going to, what I'm going to do is uh, I'm actually reworking on that one. So, um, I'm going to end up putting that one back out. And and so. I know that when I was like, I, I went to Amazon one day and this has been, I don't know how long, but I went there and I looked 
I was looking for something about uh, Mothman. I because I did the Mothman mm. show recently with Ashley Hilt, and I went and I yeah. looked, and I saw one of your books popped up. It was called Winged Case Book or Winged Entities or something like that. Yeah, you know, I, I did that one, and I did there. There was another one. Uh, there was that one, and there was two UFO ones. Okay, and I I ended up pulling those because I um, I ended up I had to file a lawsuit against a guy. Um, what he did was he bought my books, he rewrit the rewritten the books, okay, used all my stuff, and um, he printed the books, and then he came out and tried to say I took the stuff from him, okay, and it's like, well, you know, my book was out, you know, a year and a half before yours was, mm-hmm. and Amazon showed that he purchased the books, okay. So I had to, um, so I ended up, you know, suing him and I ended up winning. And so him and, uh, his family and all this, I mean, they just went on Amazon and they trashed me. I mean, just, I mean, because he lost. And so I, I contacted Amazon and I said, you know, um, explain to him what happened, uh, you know, showed him the lawsuit. Um, and I said, you know, they're trashed me and Amazon's like, we can't, there's nothing we can do about it. You know, so basically anybody can go on Amazon and just trash a project uh, or a book or something like that without even purchasing it or even reading it. And it's like, what kind of policy is that? You know? Yeah. You, and, and they can do that with anything. I mean, and anything you do that. Yeah. So after that, um, I said, you know what? Screw it. I am not going. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to um, I'm not going to do any more books. Because the the fact, I mean, you know, where this guy, you know, went to the, I, I have no idea who he was and why he did it. Um, other than he, it was a project he was working on and I ended up putting the book out first. And I mean, I, I had listed all my references because what I did, I got, um, I got most of the stuff out of old uh, 40 and magazines out of just different UFO magazines, newspaper clippings, everything. And so what I did, I gave the report. I showed the source where it came from, you know, say if it came from, uh, you know, the Cincinnati Enquirer on this date, or it came, it, it came out of 40 and magazine this date. Okay. So it, it, it was also, I had like some of the reports that I had on there. But it, it, it was all a show where, where it all came from. And, and, and he did the same thing. And he, he would change the words a little bit on there, okay, and um, say the same thing. Oh, I got it from this newspaper. I got it from this magazine. Or I did the investigation. Well, when he said, you know, I stole it from him. Uh, but like I said, my book was already out, you know, a, a year and a half. And I had... You know, um, I mean, I when, when I went to court, I had a dolly with boxes of magazines, newspaper clippings and everything. It's like, you know, if you want your honor, all you have to do is pick a page out, pick a report out and I'll dig through the box and I'll show it to you. And, he, you know, he's like, no, we're not even going to go this far, you know. Uh, but it, it, it's sad that it had to get to that point, yeah. you know, and, and, and I mean, it, it's just, 
I don't know. I, I guess this guy felt, you know, he was going to get something monetary, monetarily out of it or something. Um, but it's just, it, it was just nuts. It was nuts. And, and I just looked it up right now. It says here, that book is selling for $974.83. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah. There's, um, there's a, in England, um, Man, a, a couple of my books are selling up in the, up in the thousands of dollars. Yeah. And, you know, yep. and I, there's, uh, yeah, there's one, I can't remember which one it was. I have to look it up. I got it saved. Um, in Russia, there was, um, there was one in Russia for like 2000, mm-hmm. $2,000 and it had bids on it. Yeah. Oh I mean, yeah. Pe- yeah. People were bidding on it and I left a comment and I left it in English. I said, you know, contact me this email address. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a copy, you know, <laughs> and, and it's, I mean, you know, I mean, Bart, uh, Bart Nunley, Martin Nunley a couple, yeah. yeah, a couple of his books were, were going for, you know, bunch of money. Yeah. yeah I, I was just going to, I was just about to say, I just sold Barton Nunley's, uh, I have sold the book. The guy hasn't paid me yet. So I'm waiting, but <clears throat> he's supposed to be getting paid. And when he does, he's going to pay me, but I sold his book. And it's not even in mint condition. And there's only a few of them that I know of. But I, I mm-hmm. have one of that first edition in Humanoids. Mm-hmm. And I sold it for $3,000. $3,000. And actually, um, that's that's actually not bad. So <laughs> there's other people who told me, hey, you should have sold it for more because well, there was a very short run. And then he he stopped the print. And it was uh, a, a, I don't know the whole story. Him and Nick Redfern, Redfern had helped him publish it or whatever. But uh, the thing is that that book had, it was one of the best uh, books when it came to uh, cryptids and things like that. And so what what makes these books so rare, folks, is that they're they're a limited number of them. And so there are people that collect them and your books have fallen in that category too. Well, I got got my my very, very, very first book was uh, Bigfoot Encounters in Ohio with um chris murphy and there was only 40 of those books even printed and um i mean i don't even have a copy of one i i had one and i lumped this to someone i never got it back but that book that particular book i saw on a one of these book pages and you know, that was going for $3,000 just for that book, you know, and it's like, man, I, if I find my copy, I'm going to throw it up in there for $3,000 crap, you know, but it's just, you know, the thing of it is, I just, you know, what makes it so special? I mean, I mean, you know, the, the information's in, in, in the book is good, but you know, uh, what makes it? I I don't know. I just don't understand why these things are that high. Yeah, I, it's 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 weird. Well, I'll tell you what it is, folks, and we'll get in the meat potatoes of it. You have done a lot of of research and and, and a lot of of work uh, in in the field of dogman in particular. You kind of fa- you kind of found your niche there, I believe, in my opinion, and and that's kind of where you your wheelhouse is, and that's kind of where my wheelhouse was. And I know the guy that you were talking about who has a show. He's now, uh, I think he's now venturing into paranormal or whatever, which to me, paranormal is, is anything out of the norm anyway. So to me, Dogman, Bigfoot, it all falls into the same categories or whatever. 
And so me and you've talked about this off camera about where we stand with what we believe. And, and we, 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 we're, we're pretty similar in our beliefs, not a hundred percent, nobody is, but I wanted to get into that. And I wanted to start off with what you had started researching with the, in the Bigfoot, uh, you know, you, you started off with the Ohio grass man, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then let me ask you a point blank, just straight up. What, what was the Ohio grass man? Here, here's a, here's a, I, I was, I was the one that came up with the name grass man. Okay. I've got proof to back it up. Okay. I was the very first researcher to use it in a book. I was the very first researcher to ever use it on a television show. And that was on sightings, the TV show sightings that was on Matt Moneymaker was on that show uh, with me. And um, that was like 2000 or no, 1990, 93 or 94 is when that came out. And um, I was the very first one that did that. I did, you know, the research on the name. And, and here, here's the thing. When we were doing the investigation, we heard it up in Akron. Okay, they were calling it the grass man. And it's just like, man, I've never heard this name. And I actually, when, whenever I used it, people laughed. They laughed at it. They thought, oh, it's a grass man. It's a guy smoking weed and all this other stuff. And it's just like, no. And, and so I did research on, on this. And I found a book that was written in 1877 called a Buckeye boyhood. It was written by William Vanderbilt, a very rare book, very rare, expensive book. If you can even find one, if you're in Ohio, you can find one in the library, but they're not going to let you take the book out. You have to look through it through there. And it's a very fragile book. And it's about him growing up in Ohio in the 1840s. So he talks about this creature that would harass people on the road to Utica. And that was the road to Utica. Utica is a um, small town um, by Columbus, Ohio. And there was a road from Cincinnati that ran to Utica. And this creature would harass people. And the Indians would show him what this thing looked like. And he describes it as something between a gorilla and a uh, Sinbad's old man of the mountain. Well, if you go look at the Sinbad stories, the old man on the mountain is this like big, hairy giant. Okay. So now the gorilla was discovered, what, I think in the 1830s, between 1830 and 1860 or something like that. He wrote the book in 1877 so that he would have an idea what a gorilla looked like. And so he was going by what he saw. So, but they called it the Bojessman is what they called this creature. Well, in Ohio, the northern part of Ohio were, was Dutch. The southern part of Ohio is German. Okay. Now, the Dutch that came to Ohio came from South Africa. Okay. Uh, they didn't come from Holland. They came from South Africa because uh, the Dutch occupied South Africa. So there was a creature in South Africa in an area called the Giant Castle Pass. And I even have actual uh, photographs of the um, uh, cave artwork of these creatures. And they're, they're giant, hairy, man-like apes. 
okay, that lived in this area, and they called it the Bojesman. Now, Bojesman basically means Bushman. Now, um, Bojesman Wiki or Bushman Wiki is what a man, a human being is. Like the the movie, uh, the gods must be crazy. Oh yeah. The, okay, that type that's of funny. okay, that's a that's a Bojesman Wiki because that's a human. Regular Bojesman is just the creature itself. So when the Dutch were seeing these things in South Africa, they knew they were there. And they come to Ohio and they see them here. They were calling them the Bojesman because they was the same thing. Well, as time was going on and generation and generation, you know, they start to speak English. They're losing their, you know, native uh, language. Then the name translates into something close from Bushman to Grassman. Okay. So that's, so, we, you know, this whole generation of Dutch in northern Ohio are seeing these things and they're calling it the Grashman. Now the Amish here, okay, you have some of the German Amish and you have some of the Dutch Amish. They still call this thing Bojesman, which is like really odd. I, I didn't think they would still use that name, but the Dutch Amish, they still call this thing Bojesman. Which yeah. is interesting. Yeah, and the Dutch, <clears throat> when they when they when first came to South Africa, the Afrikaners, right, and, and they actually them and the Zulu kind kind of actually were were allies, I guess you could say, against the English right. when the English came right. and, and the war and all that took place. You know, everybody the references Rourke's Drift and all that, but there were oh, English the uh, mountains. Yeah, yeah, and and the, there were English uh, soldiers that claimed that they saw it too. I actually interviewed, not interviewed, but uh, talked to a guy. And he's like in his 80s now, and I was going to have him come on the show, but he's he took ill and he's not that he's not doing that well. But he his grandfather had told him about being stationed over there and having an encounter with one of these things in South Africa, at least something mm -hmm. that was not a a gorilla, which I believe the gorillas were found in the 1840s or something like that. Yeah, and and and, and so like you were saying, we we're but uh, this thing was not a gorilla, and I don't I don't remember the name that he called it, but they they called him something like a. Like a, they had like a, a kind of a a, jo a jokey name for it or something, yeah. You know? And I can't remember what what he called it, and and so and it might have started with a B, you know. And, and but I just remember him saying it kind of real quick in passing. But he was telling me this story about it, and I know that that one of my friends that I've that I've known for a while, and he's actually uh, uh, Zulu, and he's he lives here in the United States, and he's he's a Zulu. And we started talking about cryptids and things like that, and they have uh, several things that they that they uh, they have these these things that look like crocodile people, um, and they live in the in in any kind of water they can be found, and then they have like this uh, uh, Bigfoot type creature um, that's really tall that looks kind of like a giant, and it's really just like a troglodyte throwback type creature, um, and it's cannibalistic, and it lives in the bush, yeah, and. Um, supposedly he worked for a, uh, a reserve, a game reserve. And one of the stories that he told me was pretty crazy. They found two chimpanzees ripped apart and they don't know what could have done it. Chimpanzees are incredibly strong animals. Right. Um, and so then they know that it wasn't, you know, any, it was not a predator with like, that was, um, biting them like a lion or a hyena. It, they were, they had been chewed upon and, and eaten, but it looked the teeth did not match like a, a leopard or, or a typical predator that you would find. 
Um, and they were they were not killed by other chimps. They did research on it, and they found out that something just literally took them and broke their backs, broke their necks, and then feasted on them. And so, and and the story didn't really like make the papers. I think I think somebody in Pretoria had said something about it, like you know, briefly in passing, uh, maybe on the news or something. But that was it. It wasn't really like a made a big a big deal out of it right. because they were worried that. Uh, poachers might go and do you know and then they could say oh it wasn't us it was this creature that did it you know and they would go and kill these uh these protected animals in this park um but yeah it was really it was really weird and and those chimpanzees had been brought there as protected animals to 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 live in that park according to what he was telling me um they weren't naturally from that particular spot but they were brought there and they were living there in a little group of them and then there were only like three left so they moved them to another area. And, uh, so yeah, and it, it's really interesting that you bring that up. And I, and I had a friend, uh, my friend Bram who came over from there and he, you know, he had talked about a hairy type bipedal creature. Um, but they, they, they said it was like nine feet tall. I mean, this wasn't yeah. like some little mi- miniature thing, you know, it was like some really large, uh, you know, critter you know and so anyways he had told me stories of his grandparents he was an Afrikaner and they they, that they had actually um, been told by the Zulu you know stay away from certain areas because these uh, creatures live there and they're violent and aggressive (laughs) yeah and so and I've also heard from my friends that lived in the Ivory Coast that there are these crocodile people they they they're like crocodiles they can stand on their hind legs but they're not they don't get super big but they live in, in, in shallow pools of water and they'll grab you and take you into the water and they'll steal people and eat them. Um, and they have arms like humans. And so, so it's, it, Africa is full of weird stories like that. And it's kind of overlooked because it's Africa and, and you know, a lot of people don't know much about it. And the zoo, the zoology of Africa is so, the plethora of it is just so vast. And there's a plethora of zoology. So cryptozoology kind of gets overlooked, but there's a lot of weird stuff there like the Makili Mbembe. Right you know? out, of, out of the Congo, and the thing about the Congo was so interesting about that. I mean, that hasn't changed in a million years, millions of years. You know, um, it hasn't changed. And and the thing about Makilabembe is, you know, it, it, it's probably a um, brontosaurus or something, but it's much, but it's much smaller. But scientists believe that this thing exists. That you know the, the the Congo hasn't changed. It's isolated. It's surrounded by you know jungle. So things have things never changed. They didn't evolve. You know what I'm saying? It's just like mm-hmm. they were saying, like if dinosaurs were alive today, they'd be smaller. They would be smaller than what they were mm-hmm. 65 million years ago. They would be they would be aggressive. Oh yeah, the uh, like and Bebe. Yeah. They call it the elephant yeah. killer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, um, but it, 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 you know, they would be much smaller today than what they what they were. I mean, there's 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 stories out of the Congo. I mean, you know, spiders as large as you know dogs. Mm-hmm. You know, things things to that effect. Um, I got know, one out of Cameroon. I mean, it wasn't even in the Congo. Cameroon's yeah. like to the west, you know, and right. Yeah. And there's stories coming out of there. I mean, we we got a couple reports uh, from Nigeria where people contact our organization about a large man-like creature, they, you know, they, it's like, we know what an ape looks like. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, but this thing is not an ape. I mean, it walks like a human. 
it's it's big it's strong uh you know we stay away from it is kill some of you know some of us um you know even the militias don't even want to screw with this thing because you kill one then the rest of them are going to come you know they're going to come you know uh for revenge and stuff so it's like you just leave it alone um and you know what i love about africa is you know they 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 you know they got Wi-Fi and they got the internet and everything, and you know they're just as interested in this stuff as the rest of the world is. You know, you know they're 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 still primitive over there, but you know the interest when it comes to you know uh, cryptozoology because that's their backyard. These people see things. You know, I mean, the Congo is not the only place where dinosaurs have been seen in South Africa or. Uh, are in Africa itself. No, it's all over. Yeah. It's, it's, it's all over. When I was in, uh, when we got deployed, um, for, uh, uh, operation Iraqi freedom, we ended up going into Kuwait and, um, we were like eight miles off the Iraqi border, but we had to go into Kuwait city to get our equipment that was coming in. And there's a sea serpent that's there in, in, in Kuwait Harbor. That is something that's been there forever. And the Kuwaitis feed this thing and there's pictures of it. But what's so weird, you never, you never see the pictures of these things anywhere, but there's people taking pictures. I seen pictures of it, you know, um, at the security station for the contact, uh, contact, uh, contract security teams. That were there. Those guys had pictures of this thing, you know. And, and some of the guys in our unit actually, you know, was sitting there watching it while these people were feeding it. And it, it looks like a plesiosaurus. Wow. And, yeah, and it was not. That's not uncommon there. Um, even in you know um, Iraq, there was you know stories of you know large like lizards. And stuff that you know that were there, um, you know. Plus, you had like the camel spiders. I mean, those things are get oh pretty big. Oh my gosh, they're crazy. It's yeah, crazy yeah. big. Yeah, they're, the yeah, I they're, saw. yeah, they're crazy big. Um, but there's the northern part of Iraq towards the um, uh, Kurdish areas, going into Turkey and stuff. There was a, you know a lot of reports of. Um, dinosaurs you know like flying flying reptiles and stuff up in that area you know people were uh talking about they were telling us about it you know when we were there um and and this was i this was interesting too because before i really got into the dogman stuff the the iraqis would talk about um a tribe of dog-headed men that lived in the mountains that would it did at the time when it was um, Babylonia, and they would trade with the people, and they're like, "Yeah, they're still there." I mean, these these things are like still there. Yeah, the Cenocephali. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, and it's it's this, you know, it's like, man, that that's that that's interesting, um, you know, that a lot of that stuff. And then you hear about, you know, like the giants and stuff, and you know, Kandahar, and you know, and things like that. Uh, I mean, uh, it's just it's it's crazy, you know some of the stuff that's going on around the world with the, you know, with this, you know, these cryptids, it's like, I, I, it's like all the lake monster sightings around the world. Um, 
like on the globe is latitude, the lines that go around. Okay. Now it, it, all the lake, like, like, um, Lake Champlain, Ogopogo, um, the, uh, Loch Ness, the one that's in Japan, the one that's in Turkey, they all fall within the same latitude of each other. Meaning that there's a possible chance that these things are going from cavern to cavern under underwater caverns that in ending up in different lakes around the world. The, uh, the, 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 the latitude is up and down. Longitude is side to side. Yeah. Yeah. yeah longitude. So it's it where they all fall. All those lake monsters fall within the same longitude going around. Yeah. The longitude. It, it, yeah. It, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's very interesting. And when you look at like, you know, the, one of the reasons why we, people re- rarely ever talk about the, the, uh, the things that are going on in the Middle East or they don't, they don't really talk about because there's always war. That's mm-hmm. the main thing that's going on there, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And then, then in Africa, you don't hear a lot about because there's always famine and war and things. Um, I know that, that there are a ton of stories out of Africa. I could do a whole week's worth of shows about it. But we have so much going on in our own backyards that you're like, well, we're inundated with reports, you know, from across North America. And I know your your organization that you built fills hundreds of reports. I mean, because we've traded information and, and we've, you know, back and forth. I work pretty closely with one of your associates, you know, and, and we've uh, traded stories and things like that and, and talked to, you know, cross-check witnesses. The thing is, I mean, you know, when you're busy, there's so much going on here in North America. It's like we're over here in Africa now, me and you. We're, we're, taking, it, we're taking the audience on a journey to another part of the world, a part of the world that you've been to, I've been to. A lot of most people haven't, you know. Um, now, there are, like you said, I saw a picture of a spider that that was the size of almost like the size of a steering wheel. Now it was an old black and white photo, and it was on the back of it said April 1956. Is all it said. So I don't know uh, if it's real or whatever. You know, I couldn't. I didn't have a cell phone. You know, with me to go. Okay, let me take a picture of that. But it, it you know, it was shown to me uh, by like you were talking about some guys that worked you know in that field, and they they were like, hey, check this out, and I saw it, and so. It, it, I know that it exists. I know that they exist. I've been told by by an entomologist in Ecuador who got in touch with me and right after I did the one about giant spiders, and I still need to get back with him. Um, he believes that there's a spider up there in the in, in the in the mountains that can withstand the cold, um, and, and it actually is resistant to it, and it actually kills and eats people. But it doesn't like jump on them and maul them and spin a web around them like you know it's not Lord of the Rings. It's like you know it, it bites them. And then it crawls away and it waits and then it keeps – that person becomes paralyzed and then it continues to feast on them, dra- draining them of their fluid. Uh, and, and and it's really weird. It's a weird story. He told me that. He said he said it. He, he believes it's real and I'm trying to get him on the show. Um, but I'm so – you know, I got so many people that I need to talk to. But I wanted to touch base with one of the things that you said about Africa. There are stories – now, this is also uh, very common too uh, – hyena men. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That comes up quite a bit. Now, the the weird thing about that is you get stories here in uh, the United States of people seeing hyena men. One of my friends I grew up with saw one. Uh my my friend and 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 sometimes uh co-host I'll go on his show Whisper to a Scream and he's been on mine, Ryan Trimbley, he's seen one. 
and uh, and he went on that guy's show that you had talked about earlier, and he told his story on there. And and so the, one of the things that me and Ken uh, Gerhard talked about when he was on my show, uh, which was very interesting, was that there was a type of of canine that was very hyena like, but it wasn't a hyena. It was not because hyenas are their closest living relatives are weasels. Mm-hmm. And that's that's weird. I mean, like they're in the weasel ferret pine martin family, you know, like that's what they are, um, you know. So, but but they, but they're the largest uh, of of that that the uh, species or genus, whatever you want to call it, of the weasel family. So they're not even canines, but there was a very uh, hyena like canine that lived in North America in prehistory, and then and then we discovered recently that dire wolves. They're actually not even wolves. They're not a type of wolf. Yeah, they're just they just evolved supposedly if you believe in evolution or they adapted if you don't, but they be adapted to become to look like wolves and mirror them. So you can, you know, species will will uh, become whatever their environment allows or calls allows for. Them to be. Yeah, and and the Australian uh, like the marsupial, you know, that they, they all were kind of isolated but they still some of the animals like the Tasmanian tiger they still kind of grew out to be a you know with a, a, a very canine looking animal even though it's not and it has like the big snout and the big teeth and all that because that's what it would work you know that's what works you know and so nature gives you those weapons and then some animals develop horns it's it's not a coincidence to me that the triceratops had horns and so do bulls and cows. I mean, I mean, not uh, right. cattle. Cattle has horns, you know, um, because that's a very common weapon to, to fend off against predators. Predators don't want to get gored, so they tend to stay away from, you know, animals that have a prominent set of horns, especially the bulls and males that know how to use them. Um, they tend to pick on the, the females or the calves because they're easier and they're not going to get stabbed you know, by the horns, you know, so, so you get like this, uh, that's how nature works, you know, and, and what's really weird is you'll get stories of hyena men, cryptids, um, that, that, that roam around Africa that kind of mirror what the hyena looking creatures are here, but I don't think they're the same thing. I think they're two different things. Uh, I really do. And I think that the the hyena men and their leopard men too, that, that, that you hear about, right. And the Africans will tell you the 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 more primitive tribal uh, Africans will tell you that they are, um, you know, uh, what do you call it? Like medicine men, like that they're, you know, they're, they're shamans. They're shamans, and, yeah, and, yeah. yeah. And just as you get the skinwalkers um, from the natives here, they'll tell you that now. And it t- and it seems to be kind of a like the 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 supposed civilized people will poo-poo that, you know, and be like, well, that's just stories from natives that are, have a more primitive culture that are not like really a part of civilization the way we are. We're smarter. We're more advanced. We know more. But then the truth is they know more about the bush because that's where they live. You don't live there. And then you go out in the bush and you come across something like that. And you're going like, oh yeah, I I was warned about this, but I didn't believe it because I thought it was a fairy tale because it happened to me. I thought it was a freaking fairy tale. The Ambre Lobo, I'm going like, what is that? Like the wolf man's going to get me, you know, 15 years old. And then I see it, you know, and it's like, there it is. And then, you know, but it, it, it brought me to the realization that what else could be out there? And that kind of was where I got my start. And, and, and so you, 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 you go to all these different cultures and they have stories of all these different uh, species of beings or animals, whatever, and they can't all be lying about this because there's just so much of it. I mean, there's so much of it. It's crazy. You know, this a, a lot of this stuff can 
some some of the stuff can be explained and some can't. Um, when I was in Germany and stuff, I ended up going to France because I was really fascinated with the Beast of Chevrodon. Oh, yeah. You know, Chevrodon, yeah. That, that, that whole thing. And I, I, you know, I did a lot of research on it on my own. Um, you know, I read books. Um, you know, I talked to people about it when I was over there. And I, I, the Beast of Chevrodon, I truly believe, truly believe it was not a werewolf and it was not a wolf. Okay. Now, when you look at, if you, you, you go back and you look at all the old um, descriptions of this creature, okay, there's only one animal that killed the way this thing killed and looked the way this thing looked. Okay. And that's a hyena. Yeah. Okay. Now, royalty had their own zoos. They had exotic animals. It was not uncommon for you know French royalty in that time period to have a hyena in, in their private zoo. And they had no issues letting these things out to feed on the commoners. Okay? And I really believe that's what the Beast of Chevron Dawn was, was a hyena that was in some royalties private zoo that either got out or they let out and it went out to feed because it's just the description of this creature there it has to be a hyena just the way this thing killed it had to be a hyena because this thing did not look anything like a domestic wolf if you look at all the old encounters there's a book out called beast and um uh, it, it kind of talks about it a little bit, um, but he doesn't want to really go in there and, and say, you know, this is what it is. But it, it's, but he's kind of going towards that same way too. That it, that's what the, it most likely was, you know, a hyena that someone had that was that was doing this because it just it makes sense. You know, I could be wrong, um, but I just really believe the beast of Chevrolet was it was was definitely a hyena. That was, you know, someone's pet or, or something like that. But other stories when it comes to stuff, you know, other creatures and stuff, it's just, you know, if you, you, you can't just make that stuff up. I, I, you know, you know I, I tend to agree with you about that, but I have, a, I have a slightly different take on that theory. One of the things that I thought about, <clears throat> about the, the Beast of Jevodon, I always thought that it was a cave hyena. And, and and I'll tell you what I'm talking about. Like in Europe, there, there was a species of ca- prehistoric cave hyenas, and I think that sometimes there's there's relic populations that exist. I think that is what we're dealing with with some of these uh, cryptids. I really do. I think that that there are a lot of sightings of this thing in West Texas, and I don't know why that is. Um, doesn't tend to be in this area. I've really not gotten many reports in the area where I live of of hyena, the creatures, uh, maybe, you know, one or two just oddball cases of them standing up upright. But I think that those are migratory. What's weird is, I mean, you, you, you go out in West Texas in the Permian basin and you get like a lot of these oil workers have told me stories. Um, you know, I've gotten a handful of them about these hyena type creatures. I had a lady who was driving their ants in Texas and one of them ran up alongside her vehicle and rammed it. 
and she she said that it looked like it maybe it was running from something or something and it just kind of ended up bumping like shoulder bumping her little car but her car wasn't real big it was a prius so she ended up flying across the road and going like she looks over and she's like it's a freaking hyena but she said it was very big but it might have been one of those like canine uh, hyena looking look like they were canines but i'm talking about an actual hyena it's a cave hyena it was very large um and it, and they lived in europe at one time and they 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 lived alongside the the early wolves and whatever and maybe they were out hunted um by bears and wolves and those animals stayed in europe and the cave hyena kind of faded away um they were maybe not as uh, fast as agile because as we know a lot of animals went extinct trying to compete with the modern day gray wolf or timber wolf because timber wolves had stamina and they had uh, uh speed and a lot of these bigger, stronger animals just did not were not able to compete. When the megafauna began to die off, they died off. Whereas the wolves could adjust their diet to smaller animals and hunt more often, and they didn't have to burn as much energy running their prey down. So that, that that's how they ended up staying alive. Where these other animals kind of faded away, like the god bear and Kishik of the uh, the taiga region in Russia. The, or they they caught there was an uh, an area where they they believed that the the, the Kishik or Kishik, I don't know if I'm saying it correctly the god bear um, supposedly they still see it to this day but they're just if if there is any left they're very few but I have gotten reports of people saying hey you know I know somebody who claims to have seen one I contacted a guy who was a hunter there were three different guys that that that, that had, I had been told that had seen at different times but only one of them I was ever able to really talk to and get get him on the phone. Uh, he did speak, <clears throat> he was Ukrainian, but he had gone to hunt um, with a friend of his in, in, in the Taiga region with a Russian friend of his. And they actually, they claimed to have seen, he spoke very good English, he used to work in the oil fields in Alaska. And uh, that's what he did. He would travel around. So he knew English, but he but he told me, he said, I saw the god bear. It was very large. You know, he told me, and he was like, it was like two grizzlies together, you know? And then uh, then he gave me, uh, report from another guy. There's a second hand, of course, that this one of these god bears was actually carrying a smaller brown bear in its mouth, like it it killed it, shook it like a like a dog would take a cat and shake it. And he's like this the the bear that it was that was it was killing it when it was left there for dead. The hunters went up to it a couple hours later, and that bear was like nine foot, you know, like long or like or eight eight to nine foot long. So it was a large bear. They said it was kind of skinny, though. It wasn't, like, really, really heavy, and it may have been, like, comp- you know, just competition for food, you know. So this other giant bear that v- had this uh, very squared-off-looking head that looked distinctly different than that bear had taken it by the back of its neck and just shook it and killed it. And so you're looking at a very large eight-foot bear that was killed by a, a bear twice its size. That's an amazing story, but, you know, when you get two or three of them, you start to go, maybe there's something to this. And I think that what happened with the cave uh, hyena was was out competed for food or whatever. The the, the wolves kind of uh, they they I think that they survived due to their ability to have endurance to hunt animals that were you know, and and the larger the megafauna as they died off the the cave the cave hyena died off. But what if and 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 I don't know Jody if you think this is a plausible theory or not, but what if the the Cave hyena actually survived, and maybe, like you said, one of these uh, nobles had it. Um, you know, it's kind of like an oddity. You know, like, oh, look at this! Isn't this cool? You know, and then let's just turn it loose, and 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 then, you know, let's see what it does. 
and it goes on a killing spree, you know. It, it's a possibility. You know, I, I thought of that, and I was sitting there thinking, well, you know, this is a prehistoric animal that I, it would have been, you know, at the time all the con- you know continents were connected. So it, it being in France or in Europe would not have been uncommon. Another theory, what, you know, uh, uh, you know cryptids um, that, like, I've heard even with Bigfoot, mostly with some of the dogman stuff, you know, is the uh, Dinopithecus, if you're familiar with that, which is the, baboon. you know, this, yeah, eight-foot baboon, you know, uh, that, that died off. And, you know, could this thing, you know, um, evolved into what Bigfoot is or, you know, uh, be, you know, what dogman is, you know, um, dogman, you know, for all we believe this thing's a canine, it may not be canine. It may be something completely different that takes on, you know, canine the characteristics, apparent, yeah. the, the characters of thing, you know, but we got, um, we had this, um, uh, veterinarian female contact us. Uh, she worked, uh, for the, uh, U.S. Forestry Service or the Department of Agriculture. And, um, they were finding grizzly bears and black bears and brown bears that were being dug up out of hibernation and their backs were being snapped, you know, and they have no idea what's doing this thing. Their rib cages are, are broke. I mean, whatever it is, is grasping them, breaking their rib cage and breaking their back. There's no feed marks on them, no scratch marks or anything like that. They have no idea. But whatever it is, it's digging up, you know, digging them out of um, hibernation. And even the uh, cubs, some of the cubs that were there, or smaller bears, um, they, they were killing them off. And they have no idea. They, you know, they're like, you know, one of the biggest theories, it was a Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. It was some type of Bigfoot doing it. Um, but uh, that would have to be a massive Bigfoot. I mean, you know, you, you wake up a sleeper grizzly bear, he's not going to be happy, you know. Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, uh, they're just, you know, for I think two seasons, they found this. And then they're like, you know, they, it stopped killing the competition i mean yeah yeah that's yeah. you know i you know the thing of it is like you know with with bigfoot you know i i hate this thing that it you know he he's a monster that goes and kills i mean it, it's it's it, he he's not you know i i believe he's a docile animal I, he just like a human you have good humans you have bad humans and you have some that just aren't right Okay, and you wish you have that with Bigfoot, and I believe like some good or some bad. You believe that? Yeah, yeah. I think you have some that are good. You have some that are bad. And you have some that just are not right. That that do stupid stuff. You know, it's another thing. You know, I believe there's a lot more different species of Bigfoot, just like you know, humans. You know, we don't have different. You know, we're a species. But we have we're different races mm-hmm. of of humans, so I think you know Bigfoot, you know from you know the Amiska in Russia and, and Wild Man in China, and the you know the Yeti. I think the Yeti. I, I think the Yeti is the Gigantopithecus. 
I really do. I, I really believe the Yeti's a gigantopithecus or an evolved gigantopithecus. Well, it'd be the something. region for it because it was in Asia. It, you know? it was in Asia. And, and I believe that's what that is because all the characteristics of this thing is it's more ape looking than it is. It, it, you know, uh, it's not like the um, uh, North American Bigfoot or the, you know, uh, the Canadian Bigfoot, things like that. This is more of an actual ape looking that, you know, compared to you. You're right. You know, You're right. Yeah. And, and the stories you get too, and it's not white. <laughs> People think, you know, that no, Yeti, Yeti yeah, is it's white. Like yeah. Reddish brown color. Yeah. Oh yeah. Th that, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Um, very, very, I had a, a friend that, that he was actually, I'd known this guy for a long time and he worked for a, a deal, a car dealership that was my, that a friend of mine ran and uh, he was from Nepal. He was Nepalese. And uh, he was absolutely positive that he had seen a Yeti type creature um, when he was in Tibet. And he told me, he said, dude, th this thing was, was brown, you know, and the face was like, like a uh, very ape like, you know, and it was hunched over, it kind of walked, walked hunched over. And it was always, you know, when you could see him, when they walked uphill, it looked like, like, you know, just no, it was nothing to him to walk up the side of a mountain, um, very large, you know, like eight, nine foot tall, he claimed in, and, and, and they killed, uh, you know, uh, the mountain goats, yaks, whatever that was up there, you know, that's what they fed on. And, uh, he was very uh, adamant. And then sometimes he'd come down out of the mountains and they would kill livestock. Um, and in the wintertime when it got real bad, you know, they would come down near, near people. And, uh, he said that, 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 you know, shooting them with a, with a high caliber weapon wasn't a guarantee that you would kind of kill them. You know, and he said that these things would howl and you could hear it echoing through the, the mountain passes. It was terrifying. Um, you know, and, and I worked with this guy years ago and I wrote down some of the things he had said. But unfortunately, in that journal was one of the ones that got burned by a vindictive uh, ex that I had. And so I lost some of my, my stuff that I had written down because I, I had these thoughts. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write this book, you know, and uh, boxing and breaking all your fingers doesn't go hand in hand with writing. So uh, <laughs> it's a good thing that I can talk, I know. you know, I can orate. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and so, but anyway, he, I remember writing some of the stuff down that he had told me, uh, and I had a whole like a little, uh, part of this one journal that was all about the Yeti and stuff that he had given me. But I remember most of it, not all of it, but he, and what he had told me about it and the different habits of this animal, he'd seen it twice. Um, you know, he saw one, you know, that, that came down out of the, out of the hills and was walking through their property and one of his uh, uncles took a shot at it with 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 a high caliber weapon, and 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 it just then the next thing you know, they got bombarded with like rocks for two days, you know, and it was like they're, they're very vindictive and mean animals. They're very, uh, and I, I agree with you. I don't think that that thing is anything human at all. I think it's I think it's very uh, very uh, probable that it is a Gigantopithecus. Now, Gigantopithecus, folks, is like a giant ape that was in Asia that supposedly died off. Um, but you know, like Jody said, I think it's very possible that it, it, it lives on and I, yeah. I, the dinopithecus theory. Now, Jody, I, I gave this story to, um, uh, that particular host we were talking about earlier, but I'm, I've talked about it and reiterated it on my show, uh, Mason County, Texas. There were some kids. Okay. And now tell me what you think of this. They were long story shorter. I'm not going to get into a whole big old thing, but they were shooting off, uh, fireworks and they had Roman candles 
And they were basically running around at their truck and they were shooting them at each other because they're teenagers. That's what they do. They do stupid things. I'm a, I almost put my cousin Ralph's eye out with one when I was a kid. But anyways, we, you know, they're shooting at each other. And the next thing you know, something comes bailing out of the darkness, out of the bushes uh, and near the tree line. There was a big barbed wire fence there and the fence had been kind of torn down. And they all stop and they look and they see this thing with a giant snout. Um, and it had a like a tail kind of swishing around behind it. They saw that, and then and it was all on all fours. But the the front, uh, uh, which should have been like paws, whatever, it was like animals, like hands instead. Of, it was like human instead of animal. Uh, it stands up, but it doesn't stand up all the way. And 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 then it, then it starts to chase after, and they get back in the truck, and it was, it was still pretty good ways away. And then another one appears, and they both start running down this gravel road. And so the guys in the back of the truck, they're terrified. They get and they they're, they're they don't know what to do. You know, they they have fireworks. You know, so like, you know, that's all they had. And so the, the these things were chasing them. Well, when I got a description from from three or four of the guys, I talked to uh, well two of them, and then a third that that sent me the the correspondence, whatever. Um, and it's a lot harder when you just read what they write. It's better when you can talk to them. Uh, but but two of them talked to me and and they they told me, you know, I mean, he said, look, man, he goes, I know I'm just a kid, you know, but whatever, he's 18, you know, you're old, whatever. I was just a kid when it happened. He goes, but I remember it, you know. And I said, what what was it, you know? He said, man, I don't know. He's like, it was like a very canine looking. He goes, but kind of like a like a monkey too. So when you take those two things together, what is that? You know, baboons. Baboons have right. huge fangs. They have giant fangs. And and you would think, oh, okay, that's just one, that's a one-off, but it's not. Now, I've gotten several reports around around the country, you know, of these, um, some people would call them devil monkeys, but this thing looks right. different than the devil monkey stories you get, like the Rebobs in California or the ones in the LBL. They're just, it's a different looking creature. And to me, I had a friend of mine draw it and, and, and he's a pretty good artist, you know, he's done a lot of sketching and stuff for, for different people. And what he came up with from the description of this uh, individual's uh, story, it, it looks like a giant baboon, but kind of more wolf-like. I don't know, but I don't know how to describe it. It's very weird. And then, you know, it, that, that story, when I told that story, um, I guess maybe two years later, like after after the original telling of that story, somebody told me that they were driving through that same area and something very uh, large. They said it was probably about seven foot tall, and then it, it was like kind of up on on, on its hi- on its hind legs, and it got down on all fours and ran across the road real real fast in front of their truck. And they were like, "Whoa!" And then they realized there was like a herd of deer right across the str- the, the 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 road, and and they were it was on the highway near Mason, Texas. And and they ran across the road, and, and I said, what, "Did it have a tail?" And they said, "Yeah, and its tail looked like a, like a baboon, you know." And, and but but they said the head though was was weird; it didn't look just like a baboon, which would make sense because this is a prehistoric baboon we're talking about that did look a little different. It was a large; you wouldn't look at that and go, "Oh, that's a baboon." Baboons are this is a, this is like like a giant sized baboon, like a creature, you know. And so they, I said, "Was it was it a baboon?" He goes, "I don't know." And his wife was like, I don't know either. It just, it was just large, you know, and it was just somebody that had heard the show and had told somebody about it. And then I guess they said, Hey, there's this guy, you know, give, you know, but that it was a very short encounter. There was nothing more to it. It just disappeared into the darkness. 
but it was really quick. But I thought that's not a coincidence. And I think that what they saw um, wasn't the timber wolfish dog man looking thing like I saw. It was a different type of uh, creature. And, uh, and, it, and, and it could be a Dinopithecus. And, and that is a very plausible theory to some of these stories. Um, I know that there are people who claim that they see these, uh, I mean, that's what I think they are. I just, they, they, they see these like, you know, and one person said they saw something like that in their backyard, attack their dog. And I, and I was like, I, I was reading the story. Well, I tried, I tried messaging this person. They never got back with me. So it wasn't, I guess they didn't, you know, didn't want to correspond or whatever, but I tried to get back in touch with them. But the story when just reading the, dis- the, the description, from on the surface, it sounded like a, a Dinopithecus, like that. What is what attacked their dog? Um, and that happened in Maryland. So they're wide ranging. I mean, you get stories from all across the country. Like I got one near Carson, uh, Nevada, Carson City, um, and then I got one in Utah. And and I think that those and that was in Bryanhead. So you you get these stories in there, and they're scattered all over the place. Whereas most of these uh, different cryptids, and you know this, Jody, you'll get like regional. You'll be like, well, there's a there's a spattering of sightings, and they're all very same description, and they're all in this one region. Whereas this kind of jumps around, you know. Which I'm thinking, why is that? Why why do you have a story out of Maryland? Why do you have one out of, of uh, Utah? Um, it's just, I mean, where where what where, 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 what is that? Why? I mean, somebody had posed the, the theory to me that maybe these were. Like there were some sort of portals or time that that, that people that there were things come out of them like like uh, um, woolly mammoths people see woolly mammoths just like I was talking about the taiga region the taiga is a region where people claim to have seen woolly mammoths um, uh, had a guy right outside of Prim uh, in, in Nevada um, talking about you know stopping pulling over to take a take the nature calls you know and he had to use the bathroom. And and something came out of the darkness that looked like a smilodon, like a saber tooth cat. Luckily for him, it was it was it wasn't real. I mean, it wasn't it didn't attack him because it kind of just disappeared. Um, and it could have been a ghost, uh, you know, of some or some sort of I don't know what it would you would what you would classify that as, you know, like some sort of uh, interdimensional thing, and then it just disappeared. People see pterodactyl looking creatures. They see um, like in Guatemala, they have a thing called the corta cabeza. You know, which is the head cutter, you know, and they, yeah. they they call it, it's like a pteranodon. And then I've gotten descriptions of it and they say that it swoops in and what it does is it bites the heads off of somebody and then it swoops back around, picks up the body. Okay, folks. Well, that's going to do it for tonight. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Remember every Friday at 7 p.m. Uh, tune in and we do uh, a podcast, a show for our podcast and, and we're going to continue next week, me and Jody Cook. And talking about cryptids, Dogman, Bigfoot, and whatever uh, comes up. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to like and subscribe. Go to our group, Paranormal Roundtable, on Facebook. And keep up to date with the latest Paranormal Roundtable news. PRTpodcast.com. That's our website. That's our store. Uh, Thank you for listening.